And it's great to have you here this morning. And uh, it's exciting to be walking through the book of Romans and just taking the challenges that God has for us week by week. Hey, we're in a series now in Romans, in Romans chapter 6 and 7. Gospel deep, His glory unleashed. His glory unleashed. It's all about the word freedom. It's all about what God's doing in our lives and the chance that we have uh, uh, from Him that we never would have had on our own. Best way to say it. And uh, we can't get there. But God's doing something amazing for us and then something amazing in us as we cooperate with him. That's what it means to trust in Christ as Savior. All right. And uh, so let's just get started this morning as we explore what does it mean to be free? What does it mean to live free? Turn with me to Romans chapter 6 verse 15. And uh, let's get started, all right? Romans 6, verse 15, we got ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. We're going to walk verse by verse through this, so you'll want a Bible. Just raise your hand. They'll get one to you there, all right? Romans chapter 6, verse 15, free to live in Him. How do I do that? And uh, so the first step, well, slavery is not a choice, but your master is a choice. Simple question, whose slave are you? Slavery is not a choice. We're going to find out here. We actually never can live life without being a slave to something. I don't know if I agree with that, Tim. Hang on, you will in just a second. All right. Slavery is not a choice, uh, but your master, who you are slave to, is a choice. And uh, whose slave are you? Let's start in verse 15 here. It says, what then? Are we to sin because we are no longer under uh, the law, but under grace by no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. It goes on here. Let's just get the context. I'm going to move into what will be the second point, but he says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. Are you hearing it? Slave of sin, slave of righteousness. Those are our choices. And so let's walk it through. He says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Where's that question coming from? Well, in fact, this question ties back to verse 1, which says kind of the same thing. What? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? Right? It's the same question. He's kind of getting back to it. Paul ran off from verses 1 through 14, sort of setting up a depth that we need to understand of what Christ has done for us. And because of that, well, now we have hope. Getting back to the question then. Verse 15, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Those exact words you'll see in the verse right before it. Check verse 14. He says, for sin will have no dominion over you. Please recognize when it says you and us, he's talking about those who trust Christ as Savior. He's talking about those who are like, it's not about me and I can't get there alone. And Lord, please forgive me. Please use your shed blood on the cross and Lord, may it be all about you as king in my life. Okay, saved. That's who he's talking to. And he says, for sin will have no dominion over you, the one who's done that, since you are not under law, but under grace. And those lists of things you need to do and don't, not under that anymore, right? And so he's afraid of what they're thinking then. Well, if I'm not under that, 
And maybe I don't have to do anything about it at all. I'll just do whatever I want to do. I'm free to do whatever I want. Is that what it is? And so verse 15, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Answer, by no means, right? God forbid, or may it never be so, or absolutely not, right? By no means. Uh, What's the answer? Get ready. I'm going to need to hear the answer. Here's the question. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? You've got to be kidding me. Absolutely not. It's not go on living in sin because we're not under law. Instead, wow, we get a freedom from sin. And now we can be all about righteousness in a way that God does a work in us. He says, do you not know? That if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey. He's like, wake up, call. Stop acting like you're a slave there. You're not. And you're making it look like something's true when it's not. And if you're obedient to sin, it looks like that's where you're actually slave. But if you're not, well, then let's not look like it. Simple statement. And uh, he says... Do you not know that if you present yourselves that you uh, to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Those are your two choices of sin or of obedience. We're slave to one or the other. The end. It's that simple. I don't know, Tim. You don't know me. I'm my own man. I'm free to be me. And dude, that's free to sin. Just so you know, that's what that means. All right. And we've talked about it in Romans chapter five and and Adam and his corruption and how it poured down through all of humanity. And we have this touch that has destroyed and corrupted us. And as we're free to be me, we're free to just following that part of us called the flesh. It's well, that's what it means to be a slave to sin. All right. And uh, I'm still not sure I get it, Tim. Why don't we throw this slide back up? We used this two weeks ago. This is pretty much going to become, there's two slides here we're going to use out of Romans 6, if you want to grasp it. So at the top, the mind. And then on the left, the flesh. And then on the right, the spirit, right? And so this is what it looks like to be a believer. Somewhat simplistic, somewhat complicated too, right? In Romans 12, 2 at the top, the mind, it says that, um, that we are being renewed in our mind. That's what transformed means, by the renewing of your mind. The Holy Spirit, bottom right, coming in and taking up residence. And Him and His glory pouring over you and transforming you. One degree of glory at a time. See, a lot of times we emphasize pouring His glory over you. And that's true. But today, let's just emphasize this one degree of glory at a time. How come I can't get over this sin, man? And one degree of glory at a time. God is renewing your mind. Now, notice the mind. He has choice inside of us, that control center of us to listen to the flesh That banging and panging within you that says it's just going to feel so good though. 
Just make it all about you. You can do it. Come on, man. Make it. It's going to just be us, you and me alone. And it's going to feel so good. That's flesh talking. And forget God and what he thinks. And right. And we get that banging and panging in us. And hey, becoming a believer, trusting in Christ does not mean the flesh goes away. Becoming more righteous does not mean the flesh stops banging and panging. It means we stop listening more and more. Okay? The mind, we choose to place it on either the flesh or on the spirit. And as we grow in him, we learn to listen to the spirit more and more and more. Now, we talked about this two weeks ago, and I'll just tell you again. It says right here, um, do not present yourselves as... That's another way of saying, hey, mind, stop listening to the flesh. Start listening to the spirit. Okay? Do not present yourselves as, like, stop listening over there. You're no longer a slave. You've been shackled, broken. You are freed. You are unnecessarily listening to the flesh. If you're saved, there is power over sin and self. Because you now have the capital S... Spirit living within you. He's pouring his glory on you. He's transforming you. He has literally said, sin will have no dominion over you. And that's freedom. We have a chance to celebrate righteousness. We have a chance to listen to Christ. We have a chance to say, talk to the hand when the flesh is screaming into us about things we want to say and things we want to do. See how we just said the, Tim, I got to be true to me. Like I'm telling you right now, I want to rip that guy's head off over there. I got some things I need to say to that boy. And I got to be true to me. Really? What part of you are you being true to there? Right? That's what we really have to process through. And uh, we're faking it though if, really? Maybe we're not faking it at all if there's a schizophrenic thing going on in you. Right? Isn't that exactly what we have going on? Is the flesh is banging and the spirit is changing. And in the moment where we just so aren't feeling it, but, and yet we know what's right. Stepping where the spirit wants us to step and expressing that outwardly and saying, okay, Lord, you've got it. And that's what it's all about. Some of you are like, yeah, you weren't in my car on the way to church today. (laughs) Yeah. And you weren't in mine. And, uh, and we had a little moment and it wasn't a good one. And, uh, and we've worked things out, right? We're good. Man, we got to get stuff right. And there's times where it doesn't go well. And, uh, I think God's humor is hilarious when he's like preaching on sin today, huh? Try this on. And, uh, listen. It isn't that we get perfect. It's that we get forgiven and he begins to do a change in us we could never do on our own. Amen. And we allow God to have his way with us. And whatever it is you're struggling with, it's time to present yourselves to the spirit and not listen to the banging of the flesh. And every moment you trip, you just go, clearly an area I need a little work. God, I'm trusting you and your power. Amen. That's what it looks like. And man, that's what he's calling us to. Choose whom you will serve. Who's your master? Spirit or the flesh? Sin or righteousness? 
That's what he's talking about. All right. I, uh, tough question. So if God is my master, why do I so still like to hear that flesh pang and talk to it and listen to it? Why? And, uh, I need understanding on that, Tim. And so let's give a little clarity. First of all, first John one, eight says that if we uh, say we're without sin, well, we lie, right? And we don't do the truth. I mean, we're not getting it. We're going to be with sin. All right. Everybody get that on this side of heaven. We're moving through stages of perfection and there will be levels that we still need to accomplish and levels that already are accomplished. But God's doing his work in us. And so as believers, there will always be some things this side of heaven we need to be having addressed because sin, me, is still wrapped through all of me. And the flesh is still speaking and the mind still needs a little renewing and that's where we are. All right. So that's the one side of it. The other side of it, though, let's be very careful. Some people hear that and they go, okay, perfection is not the goal now. So I release perfection. And now I'm back to, I can do whatever I want. Right. And isn't that right back to what Paul said in verse 15? In verse one, we're not going to continue in sin and no, we should not be about traveling in sin and living in it. And first John one six addresses it pretty well. Listen, if you continue in sin, well, man, you're not walking in the light. You're walking in the darkness. The light's not in you. That's a big problem. He's saying this, I'm telling you this, if you've chosen to love and embrace sin and live in it daily and regularly, and that's all you're about. There was this moment in time where you think you had a little thing between you and Jesus, but from then on, who cares? And I'm just going to be me. And there hasn't been any growth and any transformation and any, that's not saved. Can I be more clear? Like we got to be really careful. We do have freedom from sin. We do not have license to live in sin. Got it? We do have freedom from sin. We do not have license to live and run in it. And a falling and a making of a mistake, man, that's a part of the human walk. A loving it, living in it, and refusing to apologize for it, and staying in it for the next two decades, thank you, it's going to be me. Uh, that's a problem. I'm not sure what's going on there. And let's be very careful, all right? Clear enough? Those are two broad sweeps. If you've got more question on it, please come talk to us as a pastoral staff. We've got to work that out, all right? Quote from Matt Chandler. I got two of them in here from him this week and uh, comes from one of his latest books. Uh, the guy writes some good stuff and he said, the marker of those who understand the gospel of Jesus Christ is, the marker is, when they stumble and fall, they run to God not from him. When they stumble and fall, they run to God, not from him. Why? Because they clearly understand that their acceptance before God is not predicated upon their own behavior, but upon the righteous life of Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death. We come running back to Christ going, Lord, you've now declared over me, this one is righteous. And God, it is so not true. And Lord, I know you've done a work in me and started it. Please, Lord, continue it. Forgive me. I know it's your shed blood that gets the work done. I'm on my knees before you. And I long for you to do a work in me. Running to God in the midst of our sin. Not from him. That's what it looks like. To be struggling with sin on this side of heaven. 
and to be saved. All right? So story. Jamaica, 1838. Uh, the Emancipation Proclamation for them was written that year and passed into law. 1838, slaves were made free, okay, in Jamaica. So on the island, it was a big deal, obviously. As they got to that night, right before it was going to be passed, 10,000 slaves rallied together in the center of the island in one of the cities there. 10,000 slaves in celebration to come. They ended up putting a giant box up above everybody so you could see it. They called it the coffin and they threw in it whips and chains and rods that were used to beat them. Anything that was used to keep them in subjection in slavery was thrown in there. And as it came close to midnight, a guy got up on top. They set a lid over it and he stood on top with a hammer and he took nails and every time the clock gonged at midnight, the first one hit and it told, gong. He took this hammer and the nail and he went, whack, and drove a nail down in. And 10,000 slaves cried out, the monster is dying. Gong, whack. The monster is dying. Gong, whack. The monster, all the way around. Till he got to the twelfth one. Gong. Whack. Last one in. And they erupted in cheer. The monster is dead. And celebration erupted all over Jamaica. You're set free from sin. The monster is dead. How many of those slaves do you think went running back to their master the next day and said, shackle me up, let's do this thing again? And yet, isn't that exactly what we do when we present ourselves to the flesh, to sin? The monster is dead, man. God has declared over you what he is now doing in you. The spirit has taken up residence. He is now making a difference in you. Let him have his way. Present yourselves to obedience that leads to righteousness. Simple challenge. Whose master are you? Have you chosen to follow Christ? Have you trusted him, believe that he's risen from the dead, confess him as your Lord? That's what Romans 10 says, right? Believe in him, risen from the dead, confess him as Lord. You're in charge of my life. Holy Spirit taking up residence in you. He's beginning to do a work in you. Then you've chosen. Maybe you're like, I haven't made that decision. Then today's the day. Right now. Make him your Lord. There is no victory over sin without Christ in control. A slave to him. That's what it looks like. Maybe you are a slave to Christ and you're like, I'm not experiencing it. I find myself giving myself over to what I don't want. And I, yeah. Well, now's the time to begin to practice this thing of hearing from him and letting him have a work in you. Simply put, celebrate him, worship him, and let's see what he has to say. Choose you this day whom you will serve. 
May the sin be done. May the righteousness be on. Not because you're earning something, but because you're cooperating with a God who's doing an amazing work in you. Okay? That's the first step in freedom. Second, thank God for your freedom from sin by living righteously. Thank God for your freedom from sin by living righteously. We start in verse 17. It says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Thanks be to God. Do you spend enough time thanking him? I am telling you, if you find fault everywhere, you will be short on this. If your goal is to be the analytical, you don't know me. I'm so discerning. I'm a wonderfully discerning individual. I can tell where everybody else is a punk. Right? Isn't that what we mean by that? What is discernment? We usually don't mean, I can tell when I'm a punk. We don't want to talk about that. I can tell you when you are. Right? And uh, maybe we need to shut that down a little bit and raise up on the, God, I'm just thanking you that all of us broken people have a savior like you. And we just praise him all the more. Thanks be to God. Celebrate him with a smile. With a joy as you're taking list of the things he's doing for you, in you, with you, whatever. Thanks be to God. It says that you were once slaves. Are you hearing that? That you were once slaves. We do not become a slave of sin and then later a slave of Christ and then back to slave of sin. Please, that's not the teach here. We're missing it. He is saying, I'm telling you this, when the shackles are broken and the freedom is given and you are done with sin, it means that now forever you are a slave of Jesus Christ following him. Bond slave literally means his way. You're trusting in him. We don't go back. Sometimes we act like it and you feel it, don't you? And when we're acting what we is, what isn't true, we just want off that train fast. And all of a sudden, the shame and the sadness, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. It comes up in the passage. He says, you were once slaves to sin, but now you've become obedient from the heart. Past tense, have become, done and over, have become obedient to the, uh, from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Uh, those words probably couldn't be worse translated, all right? Uh, literally it's in the passive form like it happened to you it basically means entrusted to you given to you these are the teachings that he was like this is what it's going to be all about okay that's what it means there the stuff that you were committed to like we hear the word commit and we're like we do it right that's not what it means it means that you were entrusted with they committed them to them are you hearing it that's what it looks like and a big deal here We've been given some teaching that is life-changing. May we live according to it. It says, and having been, past tense, done to us, and having been set free from sin. Everybody say, I didn't do it. It's Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. Having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Past tense in the past and passive done to me have become slaves somehow i was made a slave of righteousness everybody say i didn't do it are you hearing it 
Man, it's so hard, isn't it? We start talking about actions and works and then all of a sudden it's not about me anymore again. How do I do this? I keep fighting it and I'm telling you every moment you can give it back to Christ. He's done the work. Freedom. That's what it looks like. All right. To have become slaves of righteousness. He says, uh, let me apologize to you. I'm speaking in human terms. Right? That's what he means by that. I'm speaking in human terms here. And uh, because of your natural limitation, like, you guys aren't getting it. And, and look, I apologize that the slave example, a little rough when we're talking about God and righteousness and awesomeness. But, but, but it gets the point across. That's what Paul's saying. All right. And uh, through inspiration, Paul decided to come through with God on the message of think of it as slavery. And it does have its downfalls and its limitations as an analogy. But man, does it have its strengths. Okay, and that's what he's talking about and have been set free from sin and become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations for just as you were presented, just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. You hearing that every time you went for lawlessness, it ended up more. Have you ever noticed that you're like, well, it's just one lie. It's just a little lie. And all of a sudden you get caught with it and you're like, well, now they'll know unless I, so I'll tell another lie, right? Or another lie and another lie and another lie, right? And all of a sudden we're lying all over the place to keep hitting on something. And then something challenges and then our pride's being pricked. And now we raise up our anger, right? And now we're getting mean on people, seeing if we can shut them down. Hey, don't you challenge me, right? That's what's happening. Lawlessness, just unwinding Right before us as we get more and more into it or, you know, man, I got this juicy story about so-and-so and and I'd love to tell someone and I'm going to tell them tomorrow and uh, we start talking about it and then somebody else comes up. Now we're telling more people and more people and maybe you make it so much about you that if anybody ever remotely comes close to stepping on your toes, the heat will raise the end and uh, lawlessness. And as we go near it and taste of it and say we like it and hang around it, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Lawlessness leads to more lawlessness. He says, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Present them to righteousness. Forget that sin stuff. I'm now handing myself over to God and his work. What does he want done? And Christ, you know, when he was reviled, he did not revile it back, right? I'm going to hold my tongue. And there's a part of me screaming, don't hold your tongue. Let him have it, flesh. And then there's this other part, teaching, right? And be careful what you're going after in life. Present yourself to Christ. Live for him. Watch him do amazing work in you, okay? It leads to sanctification. One thing we know here is when you present yourselves to righteousness, you are eventually being sanctified. God's doing a work in you. It leads to sanctification, change, life change. And, and, uh, let's just do this. Let's throw the second pick up the triangle. And, um, we talked about this two weeks ago as well. And I don't get this sanctification thing. And I've tried to present myself to righteousness. And it's not working. It's failing. I just want you to know. I try and I try and I try. And in our home, I'm getting an F. And my whole family knows it. 
and we're trying to keep it a secret so that nobody else knows anywhere. And well, this is a great way to approach presenting yourself. What does it mean to present yourself? Romans chapter six. So we start taking time with our king and notice on the top worship. This idea of our heart and our soul pouring in. It's spending time with him. It's, it's celebrating who he is, breathing in, right? It's that celebration of who he is, but it's also confession. Please forgive me for, like Matt Chandler's statement, you come rushing to the foot of the cross with the sin that needs to be let go of. And worship, it's being still. It's maybe raising your hands Or turning them upward so you're receiving and you're just in a quiet time with him. It's time with your God where you know him and adore him. Worship. Then the second piece is spending some time in the word, truth. Or spending some time hearing the word Sunday mornings or being at impact group. or It's the word getting into your mind. It's beginning to hear what is God's thoughts on that. And as you're celebrating him and as you're hearing his thoughts, then putting it into action, the will. And all of a sudden we're loving the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And we're applying it specifically into an area we're struggling with. And we start to see victory. We start to see little moments where I would have crushed on that last week, but this week I held it together once. Praise be to God. I'm starting to get little moments where I'm seeing the victory. I'm seeing the light the end of that tunnel please lord don't let it be the train right and i'm going after this and lord i want this holistic approach towards it hey you see this triangle this is what we're going to be talking about at this uh study we're calling contagious and we're going to be walking through how do i worship and how do i go after the word and how do i end up going after my will employed in it how do i do this thing where i can have victory over where i can present myself to and see sanctification coming from it and then as i'm getting fired up how does that then spill to my friends and my family and this thing is going to be dove into deeply come join us the 11th the 18th the 25th we've already got a ton signed up love to have you there for it we're going to make this thing come alive with what i need to do practically all right And uh, man, it is important that we understand he has empowered. It's time to cooperate. That's what it's all about. His power, our agreement. His power, our agreement. Another Matt Chandler quote. Why don't I want to worship? How come I don't go after this thing where I'm spending time with God? And this is what he says. Uh, We spend so much time trying to put sin to death. That we don't spend enough time striving to know God deeply, trying to gaze upon the wonder of Jesus Christ and have that transform our affections to the point where our love and hope are steadfastly on Christ. We spend too much time trying to kill the sin ourselves, and that doesn't work. Everybody say, that doesn't work. Please hear me, that doesn't work. And as much as you'll want to try, it won't get it done. And you need to put your effort into loving on Him and letting His Spirit transform that's where the secret lies we're gonna be talking through that in february join us all right so there was a strange art exhibit a couple years back Uh, it included a chair a shotgun and a timer and so they built it where the shotgun was set up and loaded and a timer was set on it and at some point in the next hundred years it was going to go off And the way you viewed this was you went up and you sat in the chair 
and you stared down the barrel of the shotgun. (laughs) That was their plan. The guy puts it together, and let me tell you, by the tens of thousands, people came in to sit in the chair. To get that moment of rush where they get this feeling of, oh, maybe it's, I made it, right? This little moment of challenge, this this stress on life, this what about the, and isn't that really you and me with sin every day? Where we just sit down in the chair and stare it down the barrel and go, it's not going to go off on me though. I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to get the thrill and the rush and the, and then afterwards it'll be done. And right. And, and may we set aside the thrill. May we set aside the me-ism in it all and say, Lord, it's time for you to be worshiped. It's time for you to be honored. Simple question. Are you playing with sin? Staring it down the barrel. And it's going to burn you. Sin leads to death. Very clearly it says separation from God for eternity. Pain on this side of heaven. Why toy with that stuff? Right? Let's set it aside. Maybe here's a deeper question. What is that sin you're toying with? What is it? Got it in mind? I got mine in mind. You got yours? It's time to say, okay, Lord, I'm done. I'm done playing with it like it doesn't hurt. It will. I am looking down the barrel of a shotgun and it's over. I'm ready to obey you and your righteousness. May you be glorified in my life. You've got my attention. Done with that sin, Lord. May I bring this triangle to bear. So simple question there. Which of the three do you need to go after? Or maybe which two of the three or which three of the three? Let's go after this holistically that God might start making a change in our lives. Amen. Can you imagine if this body got on fire for Romans 6 to be lived out? It's not that we're more perfect. It's that we're aware we're not perfect. You know what I'm saying? You're living each day, not going, I'm so awesome. And you're now like, I have so much that needs to be worked on. Praise God, he is. I'm on my knees. And come on, brother or sister, let's do this thing together. Let's go through this together, you and me, where God gets the glory. Our lives are being transformed. Sin is being done away with one degree of glory at a time. Praise be to God. That's what it looks like. All right? Third. Enjoy the fruit of salvation, sanctification today, and eternal life for forever. Enjoy the fruit of salvation, sanctification today, and eternal life forever. All right, here we go. He says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What does that mean? So let's just talk about it for a second. Slaves of sin, it means you had to respond to it. When the flesh spoke, there was nothing in you but you and you wanted it. And so you were completely about your flesh, your feelings, your wants, your pangs. Uh, Slave to sin, it means you were all about self. Slave to sin, it means you were hostile to God. That's what it means to be a slave to sin. uh, But free in regard to righteousness. What does that mean? It means I didn't feel any responsibility to follow there whatsoever. Righteousness. 
Ah, so frustrated. Free from righteousness. I'll do what I want. And if it hurts someone, oh, well, it's about my feelings. And uh, no draw to God, no eternal profit. That's what that means. So he says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Um, but what fruit were you getting at that time? I love that question. The wake up call from Paul. Can't you just see him as he's walking around? Somebody else is writing this letter down this piece and he's got his hand on his hip. and He's like, what fruit are they even getting? What value would you want in this? Right? The little moment. He probably did a stop writing for a second. I can't believe this. Every one of us struggles with the same thing. Why do we do this? And uh, think about it. What is fruit? Fruit's that thing where the vegetable's growing up or where the plant, like the tree is growing up and all of a sudden comes off of it, the result of it, right? What's the fruit of you living the sin? And uh, he kind of goes on from there. He says, uh, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? Have you ever noticed that, that as a believer, there seems to be a ton of shame? I seem to always be frustrated or upset with a mindset or an attitude or an approach or a falling or a thinking or a temperament or a tone or a word I chose or a why, why, why am I, right? The ashamed piece. And what's he saying? We were once ashamed of that, or we're now ashamed of it. Why? Simply put, because you now get who Jesus Christ is. And you're looking at the two, and you see such a woeful comparison. You're like, oh, I so want to be like you, Christ. I'm so sorry. And now hear me on this. Shame that leads to me pushing away from Christ is a moment where you've just proven you're going for the legalistic approach to, to him. I'm trying to be perfect. And I just found out I wasn't. Oh, I'll go away and clean it up. When I get this clean, I'll come back. And legalism. And throw that in the dirt. Okay? A shame that leads us to the foot of the cross and on our knees. Now we're getting Christ. That's what it looks like. The mistakes I'm making, the words I'm using, the stuff that needs to go, it's simply rush to the foot of the cross and say to him, Lord, you've declared me righteous and it so isn't true. Can you just take this now and forgive me? And I'd love to have victory over this. Lord, that you might be glorified. I'm done with it. Your power, not mine. And uh, shame that leads us to the foot of the cross. That's believer shame. That's godly sorrow. Right? Worldly sorrow. I push away from Christ. I try to fix it all myself and I hide as much as I can. Godly sorrow. I'm willing for anything to come out in the open. I'm ready for anything to be dealt with. And I want to be on my knees before Christ and nothing lifts me up right now in this area. It's going to be dead. Godly sorrow. That's what it looks like. He says, for the end of these things, this fruit from sin is death. Eternal separation. We talked about death before. Remember back in Romans 1. And, and uh, we get death in three different facets. Death of our physical body. Right? We end up dying. This world is a painful world. And our physical bodies are doing nothing but dying from the moment we're born. Decay is going on physically. But more than that, there's a spiritual death. Where we're separated from God. We're hostile to God. And even third, there's an eternal death that lasts forever as we're separated from him in hell. Sin, it's a horror 
and it leads to death. But now that you have been set free, past tense, done and over. Are you hearing me? You can be saved and know you're saved. When you're saved, it's for eternity. It does not get undone. It's time for us to cooperate now and make that clear. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God or slaves of righteousness or slaves of obedience, right? All the same thing. Let God have his way in your soul. The fruit that you get leads to sanctification. What is this fruit? Well, one thing we know for sure is the fruit is not the sanctification itself because it says the fruit leads to sanctification. They're two separate things. And so this fruit is something else in it. What is it? You know, I, I don't have a total clarity on it, but I'm going this way. I think it's pretty obvious. It's probably at least the fruit of the spirit in you. Love, joy, peace, patience. As God is expressing himself into you and pouring his glory over you, as the Holy Spirit has taken up residence within, there begins to be a more like Christism. The fruit. You're being shaped as God expresses himself in you. And that leads to you being transformed, sanctified. The work is his. The work is not yours. You can't muscle fruit. You can't fake fruit. It's going to end up being shown. All right? He says at the end here, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages, payment. What is owed us because of sin is eternal separation. But the gift of God is eternal life, hope, joy, and power. Look, I'm just telling you this. It's pretty clear. Fruit leads to sanctification. Sanctification leads to eternal life. It says that right there. Please be careful if you're the believer who's like, I did this magic thing. I I prayed a prayer. I came forward. I threw a stick in the fire. I I did a thing, some magic thing. And And then nothing. And no sanctification and no fruit and no nothing. But someday I expect eternal life because I threw a stick in a fire. Please hear me. That's not saved. Be very careful. Sanctification comes from the fruit. There will be an expression of Christ in us. There will be some levels of something. I'm not saying perfection, but there's a stirring in and a changing of, and the fruit leads to sanctification. And the sanctification is the guarantee of eternal life. God's working in us, and there's hope for forever. That's our, that's our rock solid truth. We are free to live. And none of it happens except because of Christ. Christ is everything. Christ is our everything. Just say it with me. Christ is everything. Again, Christ is everything. Are you hearing it? Christ is enough. Nothing more than him. That's all I need. And now, God, I'm ready. Every day I'm ready. And as I'm made aware through the shame of today or the shame of yesterday, I will rush to your feet. I will drop down. I will worship you. I will long for you. Lord, have your way with me. And as your fruit begins to be expressed, as sanctification begins to happen, as I'm transformed, as my mind is renewed, praise be to God. Victory over sin. Man, we are free to live, 
And it always and only happens when we simply say these words, Christ is enough. Amen. Let's pray.